Okay. <coughs> well, somebody offer thanks for us here. Larry? Most merciful and loving Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this beautiful day you blessed us with. And thank you for all the many blessings you provide for us. We thank you for this food. Please bless it that it might nourish our bodies and bless us to your service. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're still talking about hope. 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 Uh, the content. What are we hoping for? What are we hoping for? Well, uh, the hope, uh, of course, that uh, Abraham originally had was that he would become a great nation. Right. His seed would be multiplied, and that he would be blessed, and that he, and through his uh, seed, uh, the, the whole nations, all the world, would also be blessed. But specifically in the New Testament, uh, that our, our hope gets centered in Christ himself, doesn't it? It's, it's because of who Christ is and what he's done and the fact that he's been raised from the dead and the promises that he has made to us. Think of the promises that Jesus made to the disciples. What are some of the promises that he made? He's always going to be with us. I'll be with you to the end of the earth. Right, right. Said the Holy Spirit would come in 50 days. If I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you, didn't he? He promised that. He also promised the sin that he was going away, but he would send another comforter. Of course, that promise has been fulfilled, hasn't it? The day of Pentecost. <coughs> There's an interesting verse in Galatians 5.5 where Paul says, through the Spirit, by faith, and here faith and hope are really joined together. Uh, we, be- we believe in God and we believe in Christ who is trustworthy and because we believe in them then we hope for that which they promise us don't we mm-hmm. you know if you really believe in somebody then if they make you a promise you, you believe this person is trustworthy you have faith in them then if they tell you something that they will do you're inclined to hope you have hope for it don't you Right. Not not just wishing that it would happen, but you have reason to believe that it will happen. That's hope. Uh, but um, through the Spirit, he says, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Uh, Galatians 5.5, 5, we hope. The, we wait for the hope of righteousness. Well, is righteousness somebody something we already have? Our righteousness is through Christ. We're not righteous in ourselves, in and of ourselves. So, aren't we justified already? Justified by faith. So, what what does it mean to hope for righteousness? 
Because of, I guess, because of Jesus, but he said he didn't have sins anymore. At yeah. all. I had a, I had a discussion with the guy church about that. As a matter of fact, he made the same statement. I'm no longer. I'm no. I am now sinless through Christ. I, I never could quite get him. You know, I, I never could quite understand it or where he was coming from. Well, you're sinless because he's washed your sins away. Right. It don't matter. It becomes eternity. Yeah, I think in Galatians five, he is he is referring to the righteousness which we will have. Yeah. Uh, although there is another righteousness which is beyond just the where God declares us righteous or just. And there is this hope uh, in Second Peter three thirteen. In accordance with His promise, we wait. Uh, which also means we're hoping for it, and if we're waiting for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you're really waiting for something, that means surely you're hoping for it, right? If you're, wait <laughs> you're waiting at, at the bus stop for the bus, you're, you're, you're hoping that it will come. You, you have reason to believe, because you've seen it somewhere in the uh, uh, schedule that the buses are still running. So we're waiting for what? A new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness, this version says, this is a new revised standard, where righteousness is at home. This is where righteousness dwells, you know? Where righteousness dwells. We, <clears throat> there's, uh, there's so much injustice in the world today, isn't there? So much evil that leads to so much suffering um, and pain. But we look forward to a new heavens and a new earth where, where things are set right. After all, that if, if there is a just God, then ultimately he has to set the world right. If, God, if the world is never set right, that really throws into question whether there's even a God. Yeah. Maybe, maybe all of this is just a big accident, you know. But there is no God who cares about the world, cares about evil, who cares about righteousness, who cares about whether uh, children are abused, whether 
uh, a Bernie Madoff takes all your savings, <laughs> or whether a leaves you penniless, <laughs> or whether a flower blooms, or whether what? A flower blooms. A flower blooms. The other side of the scale. <laughs> Baby cries. Then uh, uh, we have hope, Paul says in Romans 5 too, of sharing the glory of God. Wow. You ever think of that hope? Mm-hmm. Sharing the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, and the word glory uh, I, is not a word we use much uh, in, in the outside of religious language. I don't know, can you think of any uses of the word glory to or glorify outside of, uh, of, the, of the Bible or our use in religious language? So it, glory. You have a tough time singing Gloria. Gloria. <laughs> what? You need Gloria to, glory the song. to sing the song. The Ukrainians glory. use it, don't they? They do. The Ukrainian. What's their What's their saying? Glory to Ukraine, or glory. bring glory to Ukraine. Yeah, they use it. You know, still Russian. But that's, I, and I think, I think it's one of those words <coughs> that uh, used to be used more frequently. Um, I think in times past you would say something like, uh, uh, if a woman had a beautiful head of hair or something, you would say that would be her glory. You know the, that kind of phrase, um, but it, that's not it's not really used very much. Not used very much, is it? No. And, and for that reason, these words that are in the Bible like this, I think, kind of lose their punch, or or even we just, we just quote them, and the word is out there. But what does it really mean? What does the word glory mean? What is the glory of God? If you're going to share in the glory of God, what are you sharing in? You're the fantastic praise of God. What what is the the word glory anyway? Bring glory to God. The glory of anything is that which makes it beautiful, wonderful, or awesome, doesn't it? It's almost like that. It's beyond words, beyond description. Yeah. The way we use, the way we don't use it now. It's it like God is so magnificent that it's beyond words. I've heard this illustration that the glory of an apple is when it turns perfectly ripe and is perfectly uh, ready to eat. It's not when it's a little gnarly. <laughs> it's not reached its full glory, but it's when it reaches its full perfection. It's just absolutely delicious and beautiful to look at, too. That's that's the glory, almost like a fulfillment. A fulfillment of something, isn't it? Where it reaches its absolute perfection. Of course, the glory of God is total perfection right. in every respect, isn't it? Yes. And we will share in that glory, Paul says. This looks like the Spanish on the That's our hope. (laughs) That's pretty fantastic, isn't it? To share in the glory of God. 
Now, in order for us to, to share uh, uh, in, in this ultimate righteousness and the glory of God and, and everything else, uh, we're going to have to be raised from the dead because if the, if the grave is the end, then uh, there's no hope for anything else, is there? Yeah. I mean, that's the end of all hope. Yeah. If the grave is the end. That's what the humanists <clears throat> say. Yeah. So, uh, Paul says, we wait for adoption. There, there, there is a sense in which we are already children of God. John, uh, first, this one, John says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And we are. We are God's children. Right. We have been adopted through Christ, haven't we? Yes. Brothers of, of the Lord Jesus, children of God. But, but in a sense, we wait for our adoption. The fulfillment of that adoption is, quote, the redemption of our bodies. Uh, not just the redemption of our souls, but the redemption of our bodies. For in hope, we were saved. <clears throat> That's the, that's the beginning of salvation, is the hope and that redemption of our bodies. <clears throat> Furthermore, uh, that re uh, redemption, Paul says in Romans 8, actually includes the whole creation. <clears throat> he talks about the hope, we have this hope, quote, that the creation itself will be set free from its enslavement to decay. The creation itself is in a process of continual decay. Um, de death has entered into the world and it's manifested. Uh, does this refer to the second law of thermodynamics or sound? <laughs> mm -hmm. Is that going to be reversed <laughs> in some sense? It's going to be suspended, I think. Yeah. Suspended? Do you all know what the second law of thermodynamics is? I've heard of it, but I can't remember. Uh, Larry, you know what it is, don't uh, you? It's been a while. I don't. <laughs> yes, I've heard of it. I know I know it, but it's back there somewhere. <laughs> you memorized it once. Yeah, at one time. Well, because everything goes to disorder. Every, <clears throat> Uh, everything <clears throat> tends to fall apart, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you can put things together, but if you leave them alone long enough, they'll just fall apart, yeah. won't they? They'll get <clears throat> the disorder. <clears throat> and <clears throat> ultimately, of course, that's what's happening to our bodies, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what death is. But uh, in some sense, this, this is going to be in, in the new heavens and the new earth. There's not going to be a continual process of disorder which intrudes into, just like there is not in that kind of thing in God. God is the one in whom there is no disorder. He, he doesn't get sick. He doesn't get more frail with age. <laughs> All right. And so the whole creation is going to share, uh, be set free. 
and, and it will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The, the, the freedom that we have is the kind of freedom that the whole creation will enjoy. And <clears throat> that's another way to look at that is through the words called, which was translated eternal life. Um, it really means uh, kind of more literally the life of the coming age or the life of the ages, the age to come. Uh, that's, that's what we call or is translated eternal life, which means uh, you know, we think of eternal as unending. But the, in the, uh, the biblical language just really talks about this coming age, the new age. Uh, but <clears throat> we have a hope of eternal life that God uh, and this is a Titus 1 that God who never lies here again we here's this basis of hope God who never lies promised before the ages begin he promised before the ages begin that there will be another age that will go on and on and on. That will be the the, uh, the continuing age, in due, which in due time he revealed through he revealed his word. In due time he revealed his word through the proclamation with which I've been entrusted by the command of God. But it's this hope of eternal life that God who never lies promised before the ages began. And, and in Titus 3, 7, he says, we are heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this is, this is what we're hoping for. And of course, that's going to depend on, on Christ's own appearance, isn't it? His coming again. Titus 2, 13, we wait for the blessed hope. <laughs> this hope, which is specifically called the blessed hope, is the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior. Here, incidentally, uh, Jesus is called God, isn't he? Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is both our Savior and God. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what that means? The manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior. That's the blessed hope. For since he says, well, and then I'm going back over to 1 Thessalonians, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. So, at the resurrection, the... Um, Paul is talking about those who those who have gone and have died first will be raised and then the rest will be caught up with him. <clears throat> and ultimately, of course, our hope is is to to be uh, an heir with Christ Himself. And what what has Christ been promised? What what is His ultimate? Uh, uh, inheritance from the Father. He says, if, if we're children of God, Romans 8, 17, then we're heirs. If we're children, we're heirs of God. 
heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Because of our unity with Christ, we receive with Christ that which uh, God uh, gives to Him. Um, what is Christ inheriting from the Father? That's not really spelled out here, is it? He's already inherited all authority from heaven and earth. All authority sure. in heaven and earth, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the New Testament talks about our being priests and a kingdom. We're uh, a royal priesthood and a kingdom, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And Paul has an interesting saying in 1 Corinthians where he's talking, rebuking the Corinthians about their disputing with one another, not being able to settle their disputes without going to a pagan court. He says, don't you know the saints will judge the world? Uh, Mike, you ever think of yourself as being a Supreme Court Justice? No. <laughs> I have opinions, but <laughs> probably not good enough for them. <laughs> I don't know. Probably you got law. I don't, think go on <laughs> I don't think they go on opinion. I think you got another law. Yeah. yeah. First Peter 1.13 <coughs> encourages us to set, he says, set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. So there's, there's more grace to be received. <coughs> more grace when he's to be received. Set your hope on that. Uh, now, if, if hope... Uh, is uh, alive in us if it's something we live by not not just faith well I know there is a God and I, I believe Jesus is the Son of God and then I have faith in Christ but I, if you if you have this hope set in you and that <clears throat> energizes you hope is energizing isn't it and what is that? What is it like? Oh. Well, <clears throat> Romans five four through five has this statement. Under the experience, well, I've, I've titled several verses here. What the experience of hope? Top, the top of uh, I didn't number these pages. I know to number those pages. Top, experience of hope. The last page, and this there was four of them all together. I think you got it. Bob, read that uh, verse from Romans five four through five. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Okay. Um. 
you know, we, as I look at that, I would, I would think Paul might start out by saying hope produces endurance, and then endurance produces character. Because we hope for something, then we can endure. But he, <laughs> he starts out by saying the endurance produces character, and then the character produces hope. Does, it does seem backwards. <laughs> yeah, does, uh, yeah. Was he dyslexic? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, but I guess there's something about uh, uh, just being willing to endure, being patient and enduring and being steadfast, then, you know, the outcome of that is a person of real character. And that's, that character then is, enables you to hope for something better <coughs> than the promises of God will be fulfilled. And then he says, of course, and hope does not put us to shame because of God's love has been poured into our hearts so through the Holy Spirit. So in some sense, the... The very fact that we already are experiencing the love of God is part of our hope. Uh, Romans 12, 12. Uh, what does that say? Twelve, twelve. Yeah. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's three um, words here, and patient is to be patient and to in affliction, to persevere in prayer. But those are also connected with rejoicing. And where does the rejoicing come from? That comes from hope, doesn't it? Right. A rejoicing hope. You can be patient in affliction. And so you go through affliction and you're patient with it. You're, you realize that God has some purpose in it and you, and you endure affliction. And, and you don't give up in prayer. You continue to be in conversation with God and contact with God. But where does the rejoicing come? Because you have hope in all of this. You're not just suffering through affliction and you're not just persevering in prayer, but you're rejoicing. This is where your joy comes from, because you've got something better in mind. You've had, there has a hope in all of this affliction and in persevering in prayer. Next uh, verse, Romans 5.13. Mike, uh, you, you see that on your paper? 5 or 15. 5, it may be the verse 15. No, it's... You have fifteen thirteen. I've got fifteen thirteen. No, it's it's is it fifteen three or what is it? <laughs> or five thirteen. <laughs> but anyway, it's on the paper here. You know, okay. you know, this this is the authority. <laughs> Alright, looks like fifteen thirteen. Oh it is fifteen thirteen. Yeah, because it says me the God of hope. Yeah. So well go ahead and read that. All right, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, 
so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, uh, here's the, the, the joy and peace in believing. Where does that come from, joy? It's not just believing in God, but it's connected with hope, bounding in hope. And may the God of hope fill you, the God who gives you hope. Uh, so our, our joy and peace in the Christian life depends upon hope. And um, I wonder how many Christians really live in expectation and hope. Are, are we just kind of saying, well, things are terrible, but I'll just kind of have to suffer through it. And I don't, you know, there's no real expectation that all the time, you know, something bitter is, it, you know, it's, you know, the story I, I think, think that's of more is true that, of, more true of people in our age category. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think as we get up there, we start to, we know all that we've seen and experienced, and we're more hopeful that soon we'll see better. Right. What's the story of that little boy, you know, who was hoping for a pony? Oh, yeah. And he was always so optimistic. And I guess hope is, is kind of good morning, guys. optimism. Is, it's a morning, morning. morning. Optimism means that things are just naturally going to get better. But uh, that's not what hope is. Hope means hope is in, uh, in the action of God, not just that naturally things are going to turn out okay. But this little boy, you know, found all that manure. Yeah, there'd be a pony morning. in there somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> must be a must be a pony here somewhere. Well, that's that's a sign of hope. <laughs> you you know, wasn't going to give up hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Second Corinthians one ten. Um, who? Who read that to us here? Who delivered us from so great a death, a death, and thus deliver in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. Yeah. The God who's rescued us from so deadly a peril, and we, and what kind of peril is He talking about in Second Corinthians one? Maybe need to look at that context. Sentence of death. Nine says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Yeah. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God right. who raised the dead. And in Him we have set our hope He will rescue us again. Yeah. And uh, Hebrews 3.6 talks about Boldness and pride, which is inspired by hope. The experience of hope um, gives you boldness. Why would it? Why would it make you bold instead of timid and fearful? You know, 
hope really means that there's no way you can lose. You know, uh, when you when you get into a situation where you're talking, let's say you're talking about investing, and uh, and somebody's got a venture they want you to invest in, and you say, well, I don't know about that. I'm I'm a little concerned. I'm a little afraid that this might not succeed. I don't want to put my money into this. <coughs> but if you if you really had the promise of God that this venture will succeed, that would make you bold, wouldn't it? You wouldn't be afraid if it's going to succeed. If God has promised that it's going to succeed, you don't have to worry, do you? You can, you can just barge right ahead, be bold. Isn't that great to live that way? This this removes all timidity. I can't lose. <laughs> I just remember when he said that. Just, I couldn't help but think of my late father-in-law. He was talking about when he was a young man in uh, in Winston, Connecticut. He had a friend that was going to go into a new venture and uh, uh, wanted him to sign on and, and help, you know, get it started and everything else. He just didn't have faith that it was going to pull out Sikorsky helicopters. What was the guy's, the guy's name? Was Sikorsky? <laughs> oh no, you're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, so boy, did I blow that one. <laughs> yeah, well, he knew Sikorsky. Yeah. And uh, also, he talks about the pride inspired by hope. Normally we think of pride as uh, that's uh, it's sinful, isn't it? We shouldn't be proud, but there's a kind of pride inspired by hope. What what, what kind of pride is this? You, you, here's the promise of God being given to us, and all of these things He's promised: eternal life. Uh, if Christ is coming again, we're going to inherit everything with Him. And, uh, the, uh, we're going to share in the glory of God. We've got the hope of all of this. And that's what we're waiting for with eager expectation. You know, uh, hope, you know, is in the, based in the promise of God. There's a kind of pride there. You don't have to hang your head in shame. Perhaps the world looks upon you or looks upon the Christian as being ignorant or superstitious or not with the uh, with it, you know, in some way. But you don't have to hang your head. Because yeah. you know you're on the winning side. <coughs> you know the ultimate outcome, the victory. There was, a, there was an article on MSN this, this last week, a few days ago, I don't know exactly when now, but it was about 
some archaeologists found had some finding, and they were just like amazed that it it was it was uh, the, the Bible was true. That it really happened, and I thought, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess there are a lot of people who probably think. They have this crazy idea that the Bible is just a bunch of made-up stories, right, right. kind of like fairy tales. Aesop's fairy tales. Well, that's why the article was written. It was like you know, and, and this one was really true. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. what a coincidence! What a surprise! Hebrews six nineteen through twenty talks about the experience of hope as a sure steadfast and anchor of the, of the soul that's our hope a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain the hope that's focused on Christ who has entered the most holy place that's the anchor of our soul that, that gives us something to hold on to through all the storms of life right uh, it's an anchor right that keeps you from from uh, being washed away or torn apart by the storms. And the last uh, verse that I found that talks about what the experience of hope is, uh, 1 John 3, 3. All who have this hope, that is when Christ is going to be revealed, if we have this hope in Him, we purify ourselves just as he is pure. So what was what does hope have to do with purification? You're hoping to see him. If the blessed hope is something that is uh, energizing you and it's part of your consciousness daily. What maybe, we are maybe we are maybe we are sinless maybe we are sinless or as soon as our sins are made we're forgiven so it doesn't matter but, what but it doesn't matter well it doesn't matter do but purification if uh, if the teacher leaves the classroom and says, now I've given you all an assignment to do, and, and I want you all to behave while I'm gone, and you're hoping, you know, some, some uh, instead of, you're, you're hoping for the teacher's return, you're not hoping she'll stay away, or he, but if you're hoping for the teacher to return, how does that affect your behavior? You're going to be more obedient, won't right. you? You're going to, in that sense of being, that's the purification. I think that's what the purification is. If you're really hoping that Jesus is going to come today, or could come, and, and your hope is set on that, and you're in a, a place where you're tempted to sin, and you're hoping that Jesus is going to appear at any minute. Right. Are you going, are you going like to want to be found yeah. committing yeah. that sin? Right. <laughs> yeah. Here you're, you're tempted to go to bed with this woman, not your wife. And, and, but you're also hoping Jesus will come. 
and he's going to find you in bed with this other woman. Yeah, right. <laughs> See? There's a purifying effect there, isn't there? In the whole, this whole. And I'm, uh, and then the, there are quite a number of verses that combine faith, love, faith, and hope. I was kind of surprised that there are several verses in the Bible where these things are put together. We know that uh, we're the most uh, common one that we're familiar with is 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul talks about love. And then he ends it by saying there, uh, there remains faith, hope, and love, and love the greatest, is, is the greatest. greatest of these. Love, yeah. But that doesn't diminish the importance of faith. Right. He's not saying faith is irrelevant, and he's certainly isn't saying that hope is irrelevant. Uh, <clears throat> love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love even... <laughs> Has, has hope, <coughs> there's a close relationship. Why, why does love hope? Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. Well, if you love someone, you're always hoping for the best, aren't you? You're always... Your love doesn't give up on them, does it? Right. Hope in that sense. I'm not going to give up if I love you. Uh, and and in the uh, this passage, the next text... Uh, from uh, Colossians, he says, we've heard of your faith, the Colossians, he says, we've heard of your faith in the Lord in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. We've heard about that because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. In other words, your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have is because of the hope <coughs> laid up for you. Your hope, really, he says, is the wellspring of your faith and of your love. So in that sense, hope is very important to them, is it? Because that's, that's where their faith and their love come from. It's based upon this hope and something better. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth. Uh, the gospel that has come to you. First Thessalonians 1, 2. He talks about remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. Here's, here's the Christian life. It's a work of faith. Faith puts us to work. And love, is, there's a labor in love. Love is, a, is an active, it's an act. It's a labor, it's not just a feeling. And then there is a steadfastness of hope. Hope is what keeps us steadfast, keeps us on track. Because you, 
you know, if you're on track, you know what's at the end of that track, where you're going. Keeps you from getting distracted. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, he says, Since we belong to the day, not to the night, let us be sober, put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So, he talks about... Uh, our, uh, this is similar to that passage in, uh, in um, Ephesians, isn't it? The whole armor of God. Here, faith is a breastplate that protects you against uh, uh, attacks. And uh, love is your helmet. I'm not sure. How is love a helmet? <laughs> but anyway... Um, the hope of salvation is a helmet. No, no, it's the helmet is the hope of salvation, isn't it? Right. It's not love. Right. The breastplate of faith and the faith and love are your breastplate, right. and your yeah. helmet is hope. That makes that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, brothers, finally, let us hold fast confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. I encourage us to live in hope. You know, not just to, to believe in Jesus, but to hope in all of the promises which God has made That might, that might help us to avoid playing this game. You ever heard of the game, ain't it, it awful? Eric Byrne, a psychiatrist, wrote a book years ago called Games People Play. And, and the ain't it awful is a game where people sitting around and somebody will, will start talking about how awful something is how awful the crime is, how awful it is in Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, you can be there What's a long time. <laughs> how, and, so, and then somebody will bring up how awful the church is, all the hypocrites in the church. Good morning, uh, my love. Uh, Monte Cristo. And then somebody will bring up something, how terrible this is. Right and the winner of the game is whoever can bring up the thing that's most awful. That's how you win the game. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever played that game? Think about it. Have you never played that game? I never have. No. You never have. You've never. You've never mentioned. I've heard you play the game. Really? Well, I. No. We the game. We just don't call it a game. We don't call it a game. <laughs> when uh, you never complained about how awful something is, of course, yeah. never. never. <laughs> well, if you're really living by hope, that's not the foremost thing on your mind, is it? It's not what uh, you know grabs your attention. If you're living by hope, there's something else, right? Exactly. Not something awful, but something fantastic and wonderful that's on your mind.
So I know I know there's a lot of awful stuff out here, right? <laughs> but that awful stuff is going to pass away. That's just temporary, you know. <laughs> you know, it's a mistake to get all hung up on it. That's right. So it's a wonderful thing to live in hope. Well, I guess uh, maybe next week we'll start the book of James. That's a, that's a, it's a really different kind of book than the letters of Paul. We've, we've looked at several of Paul's letters, or even those of, say, First Peter or John. It's, it's kind of unique in its own way.